Welcome to Inspiring People and Places, where we interview national leaders in the architectural, engineering, construction, and development industry in an effort to educate, innovate, and inspire industry professionals to disrupt the status quo, improve their project teams, and steward public and private investments more effectively. I'm your host, BJ Kramer, President and CEO of MCFA. Allow me to introduce today's guest. All right, inspiring people and places, buckle up. Today's going to be an adventure. Our guest today, I actually mentioned him last week. We're meandering on this topic of fulfillment, and I asked him to come on because he's taught me a little bit through his own podcast, through the work that he's doing, and even as recently as this year, pulling me into hell 90 days or Exodus 90, as it's referred to a double Lenten challenge. Jimmy Reeland, welcome to the show. Hey, VJ, what's going on? Excited to dig into your career path. And I want to give some relevancy to our listeners. So typical podcast, we have a lot of professionals from the architect, engineering, construction, and sometimes the development industry. And I put you in the category of development. There's two things I want to really hit on today. And we'll go through our general discover, understand your history and your path. But two main things. We're talking about fulfillment. And I think that people oftentimes wrap financial reward with fulfillment. And I want to make sure that we crush that myth today. There's alternate paths to kind of enjoying the work that you do and living the life that you want to live while also potentially passively investing in real estate, which is really the business that you're in. Two, because you flipped, I don't know, a thousand houses or something like that, I want to actually challenge everybody that if you really, really, really want to understand project management and stewardship, put your own money at risk and go try to navigate flipping a house for profit. But don't do it yourself. <laughs> do it passively. I think by doing it themselves, they'll really appreciate how much management goes into bringing a team together, putting a deal together, what underwriting in a pro forma looks like. And a lot of our clients or our customers and audience are in the management of large-scale infrastructure projects that are taxpayer dollars. We don't treat that money all the time the same as we treat our own money. So I think that it just gives you a little bit of taste of true stewardship of taxpayer investments in projects. So that's my intro. Jimmy Ruin, tell everybody who you are, what you do today, and then we'll go back to how you got here. Uh, sure. So my name is Jimmy Vreeland. I live in St. Louis, Missouri. Happily married for 13 years. I got four kids between the ages of 13 and eight. So we're having a lot of fun right now. What I do professionally is I run a one-stop shop for the passive real estate investor. So if you want to invest in St. Louis, I can, in any part of the journey, my team can help you out. We can find you the house. We'll fix the house for you. We'll find you the tenant and we'll manage it for the long term. And how many houses have you done? 800. And those 800, how many have been your money versus other people like me passively investing in real estate? Oh, all 800. All 800? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So tell us a little bit. And for the starting point, Jimmy and I went to West Point together. We actually didn't know each other at West Point. We connected after. So that's the starting point of our shared background. Jimmy, talk to us about West Point to the Army to today, the career path. Uh, yeah, West Point. No one must ever mistake me for the greatest cadet ever, but- I had a ton of fun. <laughs> like I actually learned <laughs> to have fun at West Point. So I was an exceptionally mediocre cadet. I was an exceptionally mediocre football player there. 
it was a great experience. I love being from West Point. And then, you know, I was a junior. We were probably a sophomore at 9-11. Things got really real, really fast at 9-11, where I got into a bunch of trouble the first two years. And then the back two, I Locked it got it real. And so I started hunkering down and getting serious because we all knew we were deploying. And then I went, did my five years, deployed three times, got to spend some time in the Ranger Regiment. It was an honor to do that. It was a ton of fun. Went into the corporate world, went to corporate sales for eight years. I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad while I was in Iraq. And so I started buying rentals. I bought two rentals a year for 10 years. In 2016, I figured out how to raise private money and I was able to do 60 Burr deals. And at that point, I was just like, oh, I kind of have a full-fledged business. It had a lot of problems, but I probably had the opportunity to direct more of my time to that real estate business than I, I wanted to in my corporate sales job. You and said so, 60 Burr deals, BRR for the audience. What is that? Burr is buy, rehab, refinance. So buy a house with cash or other people's money, get all in at 75 to 80% of the value, go to the bank and say, hey, Mr. Banker, I'd like to refi the house. And they're like, okay, Jimmy, we'll give you 75% of the value of the house. And since the amount of cash in was 75%, I would get all my cash back and just do it again. So it's called forced equity. And that is essentially the model that you repeat time and time and time again with your system, with the infrastructure that you have for other people who are passively investing. Correct. Awesome. So you have the mastermind, you have a podcast where you're talking about this. Talk to us about what the inflection point was of how all of that came about. Oh, that's a big question. You'd be like, why do a podcast? Why educate people on this? Sure. One, it's fun. So I've always enjoyed doing it. And then I've always felt like people fail in real estate because they don't see the big picture because they don't understand and they don't know what to compare the asset against. And so I saw a big need for education, masterminding. And then I think people in the community do better when they see other people's success and struggles. And so I feel like buying real estate without a certain amount of education is like running with scissors. Quite frankly, I sold enough real estate in the beginning to uneducated people where I got to experience the pain of that with them. I think there's enough need here for a community and enough need to educate in a uh, group call setting that I think everybody would enjoy it. And that's what we've been doing the last four years. So I want to hit on fulfillment. You know, Usually we ask about leadership lessons that have served you. And I think that you've really been leading yourself on a journey. Talk a lot about Hero's journey. So talk to us about fulfillment and what it means to you. Can we start with Hero's journey? Sure. I think it kind of leads to that. So give the audience where Hero's journey comes from. I don't know if everybody's Jordan Peterson people or the, so, the whole background. Yeah, I'm a, a huge fan of Jordan Peterson. And he's always talking about it's everywhere. Like it's every movie you've ever seen. But he always talks about the Hero's journey. And then there's a great book called The Hero's Two Journeys. But to be a screenwriter in Hollywood, you have to read this book. And every movie, if you notice, even the Avengers movies, romantic comedies, they all go through this archetypal story where you, someone hears a call to adventure, they cross the threshold, then they have a road of trials, and then it's the climax of every movie. Like the great battle, or if it's a rom-com, do we break up, do we quit, or do we struggle through whatever is bothering us. It's called the abyss. And in the abyss, you either learn and get better or you quit. And so once you learn and be get better, that's called the boon. And then your job is to then return the boon back to the tribe. And, and Joseph Campbell wrote a book about this called The uh, Hero of a Thousand Faces. And he goes through like 5,000 years of myth and story. And he's like, every story has this archetype. 
All right. And there's the hero's journey. When I first started business, be like, I'm super awesome. My ego says I'm awesome. I'm great. I'm super. And then kept almost going broke and getting mad at myself, being like, why isn't my success straight line? I heard a great presentation from Daniel Marcos. He's a business coach. And he showed what's called the valley of death. And it's a chart that if you want to scale, you have to go through the valley of death, otherwise known as the abyss. So once I accepted that, wait a minute. And then I also read Shoe Dog at the same time. You ever read that book? Oh, great book. All it is is about Phil Knight's hero's journey and every time he hit the abyss. And that unbelievably loyal dude that was down in like San Diego who they like, there's something about that story. Like there was an employee number one that like just kept slogging it out with them despite them not being able to give him anything. I got to look back at that. Yeah. He loved the mission of the business. Once I realized that there's no success without the abyss, I just started having fun with it. Then I got Jordan Peterson saying, hey, life is all about accepting the challenges. And then I'm Catholic. And that resonated with me like, wait a minute, life is all about accepting your cross. And I was just like, why would I pay $8? And when I take all my kids to go to a Marvel movie, pay 70 bucks to watch other people go to abysses when I could just be entertained by my own. (laughs) I started running into my own abysses. I started enjoying them, amusing myself with them. And that kind of led to massive personal growth and fulfillment. How do you balance that with financial risk? I don't think it's a balancing. Your abyss, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, the scaling part, the going through that abyss of scaling your business, there's a balancing act of taking on too much financial risk or too much burden at one point in time or at some point in time. Is that fair to say? I mean, the short answer is you got to manage your liquidity. That's the easy answer. Yeah. But sometimes the abyss is feeling that pain. I went through a business divorce and here's an example. I borrowed a bunch of money to do bird deals for my father-in-law with a partner through my father-in-law's IRA. My father-in-law was like 75 at the time, really looking to retire. And I was just like, if I don't figure this out, Christmas is going to be really uncomfortable. Yeah. Like if I don't get him his money back, if I don't solve this problem, Christmas would be very uncomfortable. And so that's an example of an abyss. It's a great one. Besides the fact of you're going through the abyss and like essentially you're saying failure is not an option to yourself. Uh, Failure is a possibility, but I had to do what I had to do to, you know, and if I had to go drive Uber to pay my father-in-law back, I would have. Right. So, I mean, you're going to solve the problem. It's just how painful is the solve going to be? There you go. Staying on that, continue your hero's journey. So there's two hero's journeys. There's the external one, and then there's the internal one of the changes that that makes in you. So, And then at the time, I ran into a phenomenal business coach, Larry Yach, who he was a Navy SEAL. I could relate to him a lot. He was a great coach because we had common experiences. He was a little older than me, a little more experienced than me, but he could tell me what my problem was. And he's like, Jimmy, you're just some ego-driven, selfish We're not cursing on this podcast, but make up whatever curse word you'd want to use right there. And so he's like, you're always chasing achievement and you don't care about fulfillment. It's like you're bottom line. And it's just like this, it's incongruent with how you actually are living. Like you're a father, you got four kids. This doesn't make any sense. For our listeners, I have this on my whiteboard. Jimmy introduced me to him and his book, Success Equals an Optimized Daily Experience Sustained Over Time. Because my previous definition of success was 
success equals net operating income. Correct. So, which is achievement driven, which is financial yeah. driven. So go back to the difference between achievement and fulfillment and why achievement is not completely wrong, but can't trump fulfillment. The way Larry spells it out is if you got two choices, you can aim for achievement or you can aim fulfillment. If you aim for only achievement, there's a high probability you'll never be fulfilled. Now, if you want to be fulfilled, if you aim for fulfillment, you will have to achieve things. Like, for example, we all want to see our kids grow up and be productive members of society. I have to make certain real estate achievements to pay for an education so that they can also have achievements and fulfillments. Because then I'm like, well, Larry, why don't I just go become a Zen monk? And then I'll just worry about fulfillment and I don't care about achieving anything. And he's like, well, you could do that. And people do do that. But you've made certain choices in your life and you're responsible for four children and your wife and your team. So you've chosen a different vocation than being a Zen monk. And so it's like you, for the life I've chosen, I have to have achievements, but I'm aiming for fulfillment, understanding the achievements are a means to the end. And so it's a, just a mindset shift. Inspiring People in Places is brought to you by MCFA. MCFA is a CVE verified, service disabled, veteran owned small business. At MCFA, our why is to inspire people in places through project leadership. We provide planning, strategy, program management, and construction management support services to a wide variety of public and private sector clients. And how do you define fulfillment? So I have a desired end state. I wake up every day. The quick elevator pitch of my desired end state is that I want to be chasing God-sized dreams and living inside the grace loop. To chase God-sized dreams and build real estate teams and do things like that, like definitely got to achieve some things. But I'm doing it because it fulfills me. So give everybody the elevator pitch. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not telling anybody that this is how they should invest. But give everybody the elevator pitch on why passive real estate investing is an option and a smart option to consider. You cannot get wealthy. I have certain problems with most traditional wealth building plans. But my biggest problem I have with it is it's all your money and it's either either all your tax deferred money or it's after tax income and quite frankly you can't build a toaster alone and you can't become wealthy alone and you can't become wealthy if you're only a steward over your own cash so you have to be able to learn to responsibly steward other people's cash to help build your wealth and i feel like real estate single family real estate is a great way to start to learn those principles in a very safe manner because of the 30 year mortgage Tell us more about that. So you're a business owner. You're a successful guy, right? Let's say you need funding for your business. And you're like, hey, Mr. Banker, I'd like a 30-year fixed loan for my already successful business. What's he going to say to you? No, he's not. A 30-year <laughs> loan? No, he's not. He's going to give you best 10-year with a five-year balloon. Probably a five-year. Yeah, five-year. Yeah. But now, like you're doing this right now, what if you're like, hey, Mr. Banker, I'm an inexperienced real estate investor, but I have a house that I'd like to buy, and I'd like a 30-year mortgage for that. What's sure. he do? Here's, here's the paperwork. Here's the mortgage. Here's the paperwork. Let's sign it. Warren Buffett says it. I have a video of him saying this. It's the greatest debt instrument in the world. And so this allows you to use other people's money. You can get up to 20 of these golden tickets. If you buy $200,000 houses, that's $4 million of the safest debt you can possibly get. And because fundamentally, the problem is you can't become wealthy with your own money. It's the safest levered path to wealth building. It's the safest way to start learning to use leverage. Right.
and your team happens to be a turnkey provider of soup to nuts anywhere in that process. Yeah. I mean, the real value I've always said is in the paper. It's in the note. But right. unfortunately, you need a piece of real estate attached to that note. And we provide that piece of real estate. <laughs> and the management and the property management. Yeah. And then we handle all the other stuff that can go wrong. Everything to make it passive. All right. Let's hit some leadership lessons. Anything that you've learned in the Army that has transferred to leading your business? Yeah. Teaming and coordinating action with others is the way to get feel successful and be fulfilled. Go deeper in that. So this is... I couldn't articulate That's Larry this. too. Yeah, it's Larry too. I felt it, but I couldn't articulate it. So you're in Iraq and Afghanistan, or you're in ranger school, you're in the worst situation ever, but you're happy. You're fulfilled. And then Larry had this phenomenon. In the SEALs, he's doing the worst things ever in the worst environments, but he's happy. Then he gets into the civilian world. He's in a luxurious lifestyle, making a ton of money, and he's alone, and he's miserable. And so he's like, what was the difference? And the difference was... He was coordinating actions at high level with his SEAL team, and that's why he was happy. And so whether you're in a war zone or you're in a civilian world, if you're coordinating action with others, it's a it's a way to be fulfilled and accomplish things with other people. And so- Which is leading, essentially leadership. Somebody's got to be evoking action. Somebody's got to be the leader of that team. Right. Or your household or your family. So it's I guess it's Larry's- articulated it, but I'm sure you felt that. And I'm sure that's why it resonated with you. So 100%. At the end of the day, that's platform we're building is actually a leadership platform where it enables that to happen. So everybody's going to have to get some level of experience before they can truly lead, but everybody can lead from wherever they're at in some capacity. And I, I do believe that one, it makes the world a better place when you're coordinating action for good. And two, it makes you fulfilled when you are leading that action. Imagine They're, if they were selling, telling plebes at West Point, if they had told us when we were plebes, like, hey, the way to your own personal happiness is teaming and coordinating action with others. It would have been a completely different experience. I'm reflecting on that. Maybe they were trying to tell us that. They did not articulate it correctly. <laughs> they didn't. I agree. I think because they're probably teaching the tactics so much of it that maybe you're unprepared for the... Well, isn't one, of the, isn't one of the army, seven army values, like teamwork or something? Loyalty, duty, respect, selfless service, honor, integrity, personal courage. I don't think there's teamwork in there. Okay. So selfless service. Selfless service. Yeah. But they didn't like tie the bow on the knot and say, you know, it's like, these are virtues you're supposed to do, but it didn't say, hey, by doing these virtues, this is what will actually make you successful and happy. I agree. I think that it's a leadership institute. I don't think that they did a good job of articulating that because you're here, you've been identified as a high potential leader, and we are going to help you be a better leader. Ooh. You're also here because you're talented and a, you're a leader because of your own personal talents. So you're here to develop those talents more fully. And that's why a lot of those second lieutenants are hated by their soldiers because it's so ego-driven. It is. We need to help rewrite the mission statement. Well, you're closer. You live closer. You should drive <laughs> up to the dean, make that happen. When you look at the mission statement to educate, train, and inspire the Corps of Cadets, I can't recite it all the way. But well, I mean, it's a tough mission. You got a bunch of testosterone-driven high achievers who are, you know, when you're young, you're driven by your own ego. Right. So it's a tough bill. And I think that they're successful at it. 
I do think that there's knuckleheads that come out and their platoons hate them because they're classic ring knocker. I'm so smart. But I actually don't know any of those guys. I knew a couple. Yeah. If they introduced the SEAL team leaders frames, they would lower the probability of knuckleheads coming out. Fair enough. All right. Anything we didn't hit on that you want to hit on? Because I got some rapid fire questions. I know you got a thousand books to recommend. and I just hope for your audience, I didn't sound like a moron and that I was able to articulate that correctly. If you didn't, you're going to get me Larry and we're going to have Larry on to Yeah, to you clarify, need the real source for this. <laughs> clarify all the mistakes. How Leadership Actually Works is Larry's book. I was just looking behind me to find the title for anybody that wants to read that. All right. Rapid fire questions. If you could have dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would they be? Oh, Jesus, C.S. Lewis, and the third, Jordan Peterson. Oh, nice. That's Not that I put him on... Jesus' that, level, same, but I put him on C.S. Lewis's level. Yeah. We didn't talk about how you majored in philosophy at West Point. No, we didn't. There's probably something to that. Oh, but yeah, my brain's always enjoyed thinking about that type of stuff. That's why I love C.S. Lewis so much. Yeah. What do you want on your tombstone? I've written this out. He played the hardest he could with what he had. I like it. What are you doing outside of your business to create fulfillment? Exodus 90. That's a good one. Talk about your podcast with your pastor. How did uh, that come about? Oh, the podcast with Father Craig? Yeah. So I love podcasts. I listened to two of these podcasts today. It was a great podcast. But uh, I work out in the mornings. You can only listen to so much Metallica and gangster rap before it gets old. Like it got old for me in like my 30s. So I started listening to podcasts and audiobooks. So I was doing spiritual counseling with Father Craig. And like he's always been a great friend. And then Bishop Barron. So I think he's the best evangelist we got going right now. He's got a great podcast called Word on Fire, but he he gave a sermon and he's just like, you got to find different ways to evangelize in 2023, 2024. And I have another real estate podcast. And I was just like, hey, Father Craig, you're a great guy. You have great sermons. You got great thoughts to say. I'll do all the work, make the podcast happen, but it'll give you another way to open up the tent to other people who don't get to hear your 10-minute homilies every week. And do you do it weekly? Twice a month. And it is called Opening Up the Tent? Is that yeah. right? Yep. Opening Up the Tent podcast. All right. Favorite quote? Ooh, the Vince Lombardi one, where man's greatest hour is when he lies on the field of battle, exhausted but victorious. Most recommended book? What kind of subject? Dealer's choice. Go leadership. Larry's book, How Leadership Actually Works. Life Fulfillment, Mere Christianity. Business, Road Less Stupid. Road Less Stupid. Who is it? Cunningham. Absolutely hilarious book, which points out to business owners how stupid you are and how to stop doing, how to be less stupid. All right. So our audiences, it ranges. We've got transitioning veterans looking at their next career path, contemplating the construction industry, the real estate industry. They're senior leaders of public agencies that listen and everything in between. I used to say in the words of Andy Reid, because he was an Eagles coach at one time, and he would always say, time's yours. I don't know if he still says that now that he's at the Kansas City Chiefs, but time's yours. Any closing thoughts, parting wisdom, inspiration, and or challenge to our audience? Seeking fulfillment as opposed to achievement, I think is a ton of fun. Very hard, simple, but not easy. And then everybody's got an abyss to run into. Might have, instead of watching other people's abysses in movies, might as well run into your own. If somebody could take one action right now around fulfillment, what would your recommendation be? 
start to focus on fulfillment, articulate what it actually means for you. Go further. How would somebody articulate that to themselves? What are they asking themselves? What makes you fulfilled? What would have to happen for you to be fulfilled at the end of your life? I start there. It's going to be really bad. I'm on like my 10th draft. It still sucks, but it's better than my first one. I think that's the most important point is just get started. And just by thinking about it and reflecting on it, you're going to continue to think about it and reflect on it and refine it. And if the first draft isn't like C.S. Lewis and Jordan Peterson, (laughs) don't worry about it. All right. I'm going to close this out. Jimmy, appreciate you taking the time with us. I do want you to let us know where the people can follow you and, and hear about you. But the podcast is all about inspiring people, interviewing inspiring people, which you are, and then hopefully our listeners are inspired. Appreciate everything that you're doing to put value out into the world and to help people achieve some level of financial freedom through uh, through your business. So appreciate you taking the time. Where can people find you? What's your podcast? How do they follow you? Yeah, and thanks for having me on, BJ. This is a ton of fun. So the religious podcast with Father Craig is opening up the 10 podcast. Then the real estate podcast is Rise Up, Live Free. I'm on LinkedIn. I think I pop up if you just put Jimmy Vreeland, B as in Victor, R-E-E-L-A-N-D, real estate. And then it's just uh, Jimmy Vreeland on Instagram. Awesome. Thanks so much, brother. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Hey, everybody. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and subscribe to Inspiring People and Places on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast hosting platform. We'd also greatly appreciate if you left us a review and shared this with other entrepreneurial public servants and all your friends and family in the AEC space. Be sure to visit our website, www.mcfaglobal.com. Sign up for our newsletter to stay in touch with us and learn about all of the projects and clients we're helping. Last but not least, we are hiring. We are always hiring. Do us a favor. Take a look at what jobs we have open. Contact us through our website or connect with me on LinkedIn. Until next time, have a great rest of your week and a great weekend.